0: Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Moms. It's Dorothy Polarski and I'd like to extend a big, big, big warm welcome to each and and every one of you. Um, As you're signing on, I would ask that you say hello to us in the chat box because it's always... uh, I don't know it's just always a lot more rewarding or fun or you know you feel more when you're that you're around the kitchen table uh hi Claude Claude is um from Dubai so thank you for for being here uh incredible that you hear um anyone else just please say hello um and again um we are part of a ministry midday moms is part of a ministry that is Faith Partners with the Archdiocese of Toronto here in Canada. And we host or we run a ministry called Catholic Moms Group. I always say it's really simple. Um, It's three words. If you want to know more about our ministry, just Google Catholic Moms Group. And we are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. Our primary task is to help parishes start Catholic moms groups, because whenever you have a group of Catholic moms praying together, learning about the faith, great things happen. And so um, we're hoping that someone here might be inspired to start a Catholic moms group. And these Midday mom sessions were a direct response to the COVID pandemic. Because our groups could not meet in person, we started hosting virtual groups. And we recently did a survey of our ministry and people were just like basically begging us, don't stop midday mobs because so many parishes don't have uh, Catholic moms groups. And so these sessions are sort of their kitchen table Catholic moms group. The other blessing of COVID is that I get to meet People and interview people, and you get to meet people um, like Michelle. I, I should, I should welcome Michelle. Sorry, Michelle is the author of this incredible book, um, "Walking the Way of the Cross for Caregivers." Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it in just a few minutes, but first I want to share our ministry video. Uh, let me just see who is here. Okay, so we have Helen McGee from Scarborough. Uh, Christina Zasovsky is one of our founding mothers group leaders at All Saints Parish, and uh, uh, Christina has eight Children, I forget how many grandkids she has. I've stopped counting, Um, but she's a remarkable, um, just, you know, she hosted a mother's group last night, a Moms and Tots today. And now here she is on Midday Moms. Okay, Uh, Amanda, thank you for joining us. Then Judy uh, from Detroit, Michigan. Hey, Judy, nice to see you here again. Um, Eileen, oh, I'm so excited to see you. Eileen, great to see you. Um, I was at Mount Sinai Hospital last week, and I was thinking of you, Eileen. I thought, oh, we should plan to get together here. Um, Anyway, Laureen from Northern Ontario. So just a big, big warm welcome to all of you. I'm going to share our ministry video in hopes that someone um, that you know or you yourself might be inspired to join our ministry, and you will have to be a little bit patient because I'm good at some things and then not good at other things. Hold on, come Holy Spirit. And sharing my screen is sometimes, I'm always learning on the go. Okay, so again, um, just Google Catholic Moms Group. We can help your parish start a group for just moms, for moms and tots or virtual meetings. And here's our short, uh, three-minute video that I'd like to share with you.
1: Mothers, by our very nature, we are nurturing, loving caregivers.
0: We are social beings, made for friendship and community. We are also spiritual by nature, made by a loving God, to know Him and love Him and to pass this love of our Catholic faith on to our children. But right now, many mothers feel overextended, distracted, and exhausted. Though as Catholics, we have the community of our church, many mothers attending mass could not name the moms sitting next to them in the pew they share. Community and support among Catholic mothers is desperately needed in this hectic and chaotic culture Your parish needs you
1: to bring these moms together. Hi,
0: my name is Dorothy Polarski. I'm the founder of Catholic Moms Group. We at Catholic Moms Group are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. We exist to bring together like-minded, faith-filled mothers who crave community and are focused on spiritual growth, Catholic teaching, and fellowship. Can you imagine a thriving, engaged mothers group at your parish? A group of moms in love with their Catholic faith, ready to serve other mothers no matter what stage of motherhood they're at. Can you imagine what a difference that would make at your parish? Starting a mothers group, it's not rocket science, but working with a team who's done it before and who's done it dozens and dozens of times, sure does help the catholic moms group membership site is an online community that offers training resources and dozens of tools for parishes to help them start a mother's group quickly and efficiently we're here to provide you with a clear path to launching a catholic moms group at your parish all of our materials are hundred percent catholic We have clearly laid out meetup plans for both moms groups and toddler groups. We are obedient to the Magisterium of the Catholic Church. We have created dozens of tools that are going to save you time and energy. And besides that, we love our Blessed Mother. We constantly turn to her for her intercession. You can make a huge impact in your parish, so join us. We are revolutionizing the way parishes start mothers groups by providing parishes with a Catholic mothers group starter kit and by nourishing and training a community of Catholic mothers group leaders across the world. It's time to start a mothers group at your parish. Join us today. Hey um again a big warm hello to all of you. I'm not uh, okay <laughs> I got a little bit nervous. There. <laughs> I got a little bit nervous. I thought I lost you um, so uh, very 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 glad. Uh, to see that you're here, uh, Michelle. So uh, I want to- You lost (laughs) power. Okay, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Uh, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to see you. Um, So Michelle has more than 30 years experience of journalism and communications experience as director of communications for EWTN. She's also editor-in-chief for the Catholic Standard and Times in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. I could go on and on about her remarkable accomplishments, but what I'd prefer to do is go straight to her uh, book, Michelle. Um, your your book is called Walking the Way of Cross for Caregivers. What struck me was that this was a bit of a unique way at at, looking at caregiving. Can you tell me a little bit about how that idea came to you and how to you know, that you
1: decided to structure it that way? Sure. Well, it was one Lent um, when I was in church praying with all the other parishioners and doing the way of the cross. And I started to flash back on all the things that had happened to us over the eight year journey that um, I, my husband and I took. Um, I don't know if you were able to say it, Dorothy, but um, for the audience, he um, had three bouts of cancer. He had his leg amputated up to the hip and he became a quadriplegic. And that happened over eight years. And so as we were going through the stations of the cross, you know, I was just getting to know that we really were walking the way of the cross, even though at the time we didn't think of it that way. But doing that, I I wanted to share that with people because it really gives what you're going through, I want to say cosmic meaning is how I describe it in the book. I mean, it it really elevates what's happening because if you're, you're following in the footsteps of our savior and very you read the book and it will, exp- you'll see how. <laughs> yeah,
0: and I, I do wanna just, um, you know, mention to to moms here that uh, this book was recommended to me by a, another Catholic speaker. And she said, oh, I really think that you should, you know, Patty McGuire Armstrong, she's been on Midday Mom several times. And she said, I, I think you should interview, you know, Michelle about her book, Walking the Way of the Cross. And so when I got the copy of the book, I was kind of like, uh, I was like, I don't know if I want to read about the cross. That kind of sounds more like Lent. And then I was struggling a a bit. Like a lot of, you know, that this last year has been an extremely difficult one for me. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to read it. And I'm not really a caregiver. but then there was something, too, that was pulling me to read it. You know, there was this kind of like, I don't want to read it, but I was being pulled to read it. And I tell you, I've got to tell you that when I started reading this book, I I was, I, I, I literally couldn't put it down because I was filled with joy. I was filled with inspiration. I fell in love with Michelle <laughs> <laughs> and I fell in love. With her husband Stu, which has since uh, passed away, uh, and you know the book humbled me. The book edified me. The book, like I was like breathing it in because it was bringing me like grace after grace after grace. And I just, I just thought, oh my goodness, this is such a this is an answer to prayer. Even though I didn't know that I was needing it, I, I needed it. So it's a very encouraging book. Um, how is this book different
1: than other
0: caregiving books
1: you know a lot of caregiving books um they'll give you prayers to say which are very good you know i mean that's a good thing or they'll talk about miracles like this happened to us and we got this miracle but i wanted to talk about it most of us are not going to get a miracle we at least a physical miracle. We have miracles along the way, but they're not necessarily the, you know, you're cured kind of thing. Um, I wanted to take it from the very beginning, the horror of the diagnosis, all the way through to the end, Um, if your loved one, you know, does pass away. And that doesn't necessarily happen. And I make a big point in the book, that doctors are not God. And, you know, Only God knows if we do things correctly um, when a person is going to pass away. My husband was misdiagnosed for a year. And yet, so his cancer was off the charts. Um, And we were told he only had a few months and he lived eight years. So it's very important that people keep that hope. But I wanted to take it. There's lessons learned from every chapter. I, I, I tell a story and it's almost like a parable. And then I pull out the lessons learned, as well as reflection questions at the end to help people to see how they can apply what I just talked about to their own situation. Um, And then there's in the beginning, there's a scripture quote, the end, there's a prayer, which a lot of people was interesting to me, you know, I put the prayers are how I pray, you know what I mean? And so they're not real fancy prayers, you know what I mean? They're just from the heart. Um, And I had a lot of people say that they just read through the book to read the prayers. So that you never know, you know? Yeah, no, and I'll
0: I'll tell you, um, again, the one thing that I, I I just, I felt like flying to heaven and back when I was reading parts of it, because it's something that, um, that, that I kind of believe in and I saw demonstrated in the book, is that just because you're in the midst of like sometimes horrific suffering, doesn't mean you can't have fun. Um, But you and your husband took it to a completely (laughs) different level. Like, you know, you have a terminally ill husband, and you're going on all of these incredible trips, like to a dude ranch, (laughs) (laughs) or just like so many... I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I'm suffering, I kind of like shrivelled out, and okay, I can't leave this kitchen because I'm suffering. And then something will say to me, no, get out that door, right. Um, so it was such a testament to me, um, how clearly, you know, that you can have fun and that 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 just because a person is terminally ill or very sick, doesn't mean you should kind of like throw in the towel on life. Can you can you tell me a little bit about your vocation, your vacations and where did you get the courage? You know, I'll never forget that that part of the book you're talking about, you're changing her bandit his bandage and you found maggots. And I, I was just like, and here she is on holidays, right? Like most people would fall into despair and um, tell us a little bit about your vacations and tell us a little bit about where you got the
1: courage to travel with a terminally ill husband. Well, you know, I'm glad that you pointed that out because it is a major point of the book that your loved one isn't, isn't dead yet, as they say. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's as long as they're alive, there's hope and there's the opportunity to create memories. And the one that you mentioned, the Dude Ranch, that was probably our our biggest trip. We took that. He had less than a, we didn't know it at the time. He had less than a year to live, and you know, I came home one day from work, and um, he, this was right before he became a quadriplegic, so it was like his last hurrah as far as. Um, but he said to me, "Honey, I figured out where we're going to go on vacation," and I said, "You did." And I <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. And I said, Where? And he said, A dude ranch. <laughs> and, you know, we can ride horses. I mean, this was like completely out of the blue. And I'm thinking, Well, how is he going to get his leg? It was like three times the size that it should have been because it was filled with cancer. And I mean, he could not walk very well. And I mean, there was a lot wrong. Okay. um But I looked at his face and I saw just his joy. And I thought, You know what? If he dies doing this, he'll die happy. So I just looked at him and I said, okay. And he said, okay. And I said, sure, let's do it. (laughs) It So much fun planning it. And, you know, we go to this place and I don't sugarcoat it. See, I, I tell it because I want people to see, could he get up on the, he only probably took two rides and not very far. Okay. I mean, he didn't, but we met, but we did things like um, we visited the Bighorn Sheep Museum. This was in Wyoming. And I mean, we had, um, you know, little uh, dinners or whatever where we looked at the newspaper and we would see uh, news about the uh, range wars that, you know, you thought only happened in the movies. Um, and we just there was all these little fun things that the, the uh, owner of the dude ranch took us one day in her Jeep. And we went all up into the mountains and she took us out to where there was a chuck wagon dinner where everybody else was. And they had set up chairs where we could sit down and they brought the food to us. And it was so sweet. And it wasn't the vacation that you would have planned, but it was the vacation of a lifetime. I mean, that memory is so dear to me. And Stu said to me later, he goes, honey, I can be sick anywhere. And that. Him saying that there was a woman that read the book and she wrote to me and she said, we were invited to um, go to a birthday party for one of our relatives at a winery. And she said, you know, she thought it sounded so fun, but she's like, well, we can't do that because my husband, you know, he has cancer. He's really sick. And then she read that chapter and they talked about it and they decided to go. Oh, praise God. <laughs> and it made me so happy because he's right. You can be sick anywhere. And even if you can't do everything, you can do something. Still celebrate the life that you have left. You know, don't focus on what you can't do. What can you do? Yeah, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just just you know
0: backtrack a, a little bit because there was also something that struck me at the beginning of your book, like there were so many things that struck me that I could probably talk to you for a couple of days about it, but I guess you probably don't want that. <laughs> but the, the, another thing that struck me about your book was your um, encounter at Medjugorje. Um I've had many, many, many people kind of try to get me to Go to Medjugorje. Someone even offered to pay for my trip to go. Wow. To but because I have, I have, a, I have a lot of health issues, and I don't talk about them publicly because you know I don't want to burden people. But because of those health issues, I'm always kind of like nervous not to go without my husband, or I'm nervous to go to Medjugorje, or you know, and, and now I'm thinking, oh Polarski, you know, um, can you tell me a little bit about your encounter? in Medjugorje?
1: I sure can. Well, you know, at the beginning of the book, I kind of give a little synopsis of our faith journey. And um, I was, I call myself a cafeteria Catholic, because that's what I was back then. I would have been very indignant if you had called me that. Um, but, you know, I went to church on Sundays and did that. But it, it wasn't a conversion of the heart, you know, having that relationship with, with Jesus. And my sister sent me some books um, mm-hmm. about Medjugorje and I didn't read them right away. She just knew I was a big you know, reader and I didn't have time. And finally, one day I just picked it up. And as all I can tell you is, you know, I read it and I felt like St. Paul being struck off the horse. You know, it was our lady talking. And I believed that now I have to say, I understand that it's not approved yet by the church. And if yeah, the church says yeah, yeah. anything, of course, you know, I would go with ever the church. I can only tell you what happened to us. And um, I started going to daily mass, going to confession all the time. I cried a lot because to use a Protestant expression, I felt like I was being saved. You know what I mean? I just, yeah. everything changed for me. And my husband who was a Protestant was watching this transformation. And fortunately he loved me. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, honey, do you wanna to go to Medjugorje? And I said, yeah. So he said, okay, we'll go. And so we're getting on the plane. And he looks at me and I looked at him and I said, "Um, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of praying there. And he said, oh, I noticed you wait till we're getting on the plane to let me know this. And I said, yeah. And he just laughed. He said, I brought hiking boots. I'll be fine. Well, we get there. And the night, the first night, I'm showing him how to say a rosary. He doesn't know. You go to St. James Church and that's where the visionaries are if they're in town. And you know, you say a couple of decades of the rosary, there's the apparition. Of course, you don't see anything, but the visionaries do. And then there's mass and then there's more rosary. I mean, there's a lot of praying. And after that first night, I thought, okay, you know, he gets it. He sees what it's about. He's on his own. Second night we're there. I glance over at him and he's crying. And I was, he wasn't one to just cry. He was a man's man. So I, I, went back to praying my rosary a little bit. And then I glance over again out of the corner of my eye. And now he's a mess. And so I looked at him and I said, honey, you want to go outside? And he nodded. So we go outside and I was like, what happened? And he looked at me, this man, this Protestant, and said to me, there is a purgatory and my mother is there. I was speechless. I looked at him and I was like, okay, okay. You know, his mother had, she had died. They had cremated her, scattered her ashes, no prayers, nothing. And the only time he ever got mad at me about the faith was when I said to him, you know, honey, we should really pray for your mom. And he was like, my mom's in heaven. You know, she suffered. And well, this was a big deal. And I said, don't look, you know, she, she didn't go to hell. (laughs) She went to purgatory. That's where most of us are going to go. It's okay. And we went and talked to a, a priest and he said, this is a great grace. Your mother needs prayers. Well, um, my husband made me promise not to tell anyone because he didn't want them to think we were on a, with a pilgrimage group that he was a nut. And so we go around, you know, Metagory for a few days and he comes up to me after a few days and he says to me, if I was wrong about purgatory, what else have I been wrong about? <laughs> I want to become a Catholic. Uh, you know, I had been saying to the blessed mother when this was happening, what are you doing? But she knew exactly what she was doing. And I mean, he, he became a Catholic in one year, and we were back in Medjugorje a second time, where he received communion in St. James Church, which was a huge deal, you know, to him. And little did I know, I mean, all of that was preparing us for what was going to be this eight-year journey.
0: And, you know, I, I think for a lot of the, and thank you for that, that story. Um, so if any of you here have been Sort of internally called or nudged to, to go to Megagoria, you know. Don't be like me, <laughs> go to Megagoria because you might um, you, you might encounter a, a miracle. Um, I know that a lot of you know moms that are watching here today. That you know some moms themselves are caregivers. They're taking care of you know their parents while taking care of their own kids while taking care of their grandkids. Um, others that have joined us today, they themselves, um, are the stews, right? They themselves are sick and they themselves need to be taken care of. And, uh, if any of you are struggling with, you know, a terminal illness, if any of you are struggling at all, I, I would, I would highly recommend that you, I don't know buy 10 copies of this book and give it to everyone that's taking care of you because it will help you explain to others um, the spirit of which you want to be taken care of in if that makes any sense Um, because you know the 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 older that I get and you know with with Euthanasia being legal here in Canada now, um, people like this book is needed now more than ever. Um, I have a, I have a, it, like I'm going to say it again and again. I, I keep on thinking that each of us should buy this book and give it to our parish priest, and I'll, I'll tell you why. And this is a short story, but it's a powerful one. Very recently, there was a funeral had a mass in our archdiocese, I won't say which one, and the senior citizen, the elderly man had cancer, and he decided to be euthanized. Okay, now listen to this, listen to this, this is the backstory. He had cancer, and he was taking care of his um, elderly wife that had dementia, So he's got cancer, the wife has got dementia, and he's kind of feeling like, I can't do this anymore. And one of the women that attended the funeral who told me about this said, Dorothy, like, I just, I'm floored because he had like five or six adult children. He had like at least 10 grandkids. And they were all at the funeral. And she goes, Why weren't they saying, No way, grandpa, no way, dad? And why weren't they, you know, like so? Here's this man living in this, you know, huge house with his wife. And you know, and I just thought it just sounded like I just I I couldn't believe it, right? You know, I couldn't believe it that that the, the adult children didn't see to the stop of this, right? And didn't you know, and, and, and like, what's a priest, to, like, how and how, how was the priest feel having to celebrate that kind of, that kind of funeral, right? Like, I, I went to adoration the day after I heard this story, and I sobbed, and I sobbed, and I just couldn't stop. And I thought more people need to understand that just because a person is terminally ill, just because a person uh, has dementia um, doesn't mean that the people around them can't, um, you know, rally up, show love and care for them and let God be God, right? And just let God be God. Um, we're, We're losing a culture that allows God to be God. And so, if you're aging, you know I always say be careful who your power of attorney is, and if you're aging, make sure you've got a copy of this book, and that you read it, and it will it will show you what what just what true love is. It will show you um, how much we can grow through a, another person's suffering. Uh, M- Michelle, I fell in love with you, and I fell in love with Stu. Okay, when I read this book, I just thought. I thought, that's the kind of person I want to be. I'm not that kind of person yet. I'm not, a, you know, Now, like so many of us, me included, when we're faced with that kind of suffering, we get angry, you know, we get bitter, we get tempted to like throw in the towel. Um, like God had you and Stu suffer so much. Um, sorry. Like you suffered so much and tell me, like, how did you not get angry? And how did you, like, how did you do this? Like, it's just so
1: beautiful. Well, I talk a lot in the book. I mean, I not only do I show that your life's not over, you know what I mean, through the different stories, but I do have chapters on how to, th- it's very important how you choose to think about this. There's a book that some people may have read. It's a classic book written by a Jewish psychiatrist during um, Nazi occupied Germany. He was in the concentration camps. Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl, Man Search for Meaning. And I mentioned him in the book. And I say, the one thing that I got out of that was that he said they could take everything away from me, and they did, but they couldn't take away how I chose to think about it. And that is key. Because first of all, you have to make the decision, I love this person, I'm all in. And you're not going to do it yourself. And I want to emphasize this, I cannot say it enough. This was not wonderful me. This was wonderful God. If you ask, you will get the grace. And I don't mean that you need to spend hours on your knees begging God for help. I mean, even the the slightest turning of of you, uh, the slightest inward turning towards him. Uh, I I tell the story about my husband lying in the bedroom. He was waiting for me to come in and wrap his cancer filled leg. And it was filled with just oozing. and, And I mean, the cancer was outside of the leg. Okay, I mean, it was awful. It smelled. And humanly, I did not want to go in there and do that. And. This was given to me, Dorothy, because I mean, I didn't normally pray like this, but I just I I turned toward God like, oh, and into my head came the words, divine physician, help me. And immediately I got the grace and I walked in and I said, let's do this, honey. And he said, I'm so sorry to put you through this. And I said, it's okay, It's not a problem. And at that moment, it wasn't. And I wrapped it and I said, okay, let's go have a nice lunch. Or, you know, we did this many times. Let's go have some ice cream. Let's do something, you know, something fun to take away the heaviness of of what was happening. Um, It's very important that we think through, here's where our faith really comes to life. Because, you know, Jesus died on the cross. You know, God the Father sent his only son to die. For us, why? To give us all the path to eternal life. There's a purpose for us. What is it? We may not know it at this moment, but it's there. And there's a purpose only we can fill. There's. I, I thought about different parables in the Bible. You've got the the parable of the persistent widow who kept begging God, begging God. God does want us to keep asking, asking, asking. Don't give up. But there's also the parable of the People lowering the paralytic down through the the uh, roof of the house, and you know, so he can because the crowd is so vast. And Jesus, what does he say? Courage, son, your sin is forgiven. And everybody's there, like, what? We wanted to, you know, him to get up and, and walk. Why are you? And Jesus knows what they're thinking, and he says to them, "Which is harder to do? Forgive sins, or to say arise, you know, to, to rise and walk? But so you may know that the Son of Man has the power." To you know, cure you, rise up and walk, and the man does. Okay, so what does that tell us? It tells us that to Jesus, the more important miracle is your internal self. Your if your sins are forgiven, you will grow in ways you never even imagined you could do if you go through this stuff. If you wish you were better, more compassionate kinder, more patient. I mean, all of those things are virtues that you can develop when this and you're never there, right? I, I'm not going to say, well, I went through this and now I have all those virtues. No, but am I more likely now when I'm, Let's. I'll give you an example. I was in church after Stu died and I could see that the woman next to me was going to have a hard time, you know, with her kneeling down. So when it came time, you know, to do that, she started to do that kind of lean forward. And I I just put my hand out and I was like, it's okay. And she looked at me, you know, really? And I said, yeah, because I saw what I might not have seen before. Do I always see things? No, I'm not perfect, but I'm more likely to see them. And so that's the kind of stuff that I I try to bring out. Um, The other point is, you know, we talked about the big dude ranch vacation, but there's also... Those little memories, and they're not so little, where you get a chance to talk in ways that you maybe never did in the past. You know, my husband, after he had the one surgery we were hoping would reverse his paralysis, he was starting to become paralyzed. And they did surgery on his neck, and we thought it was going to cure. We were we were told him, we were told that it was going to cure him, and so we were happy. We thought it was going to get better. And we were sitting in the atrium of hospital, and. He started to share some stories that in our 35 years of marriage, I had never heard before. And, you know, and one of them was really amazing. And it it showed me he had been in the Navy, really had done some heroic things that he never shared before because he was pretty modest. And but he wanted me to know some things. I mean, we would never have had that if he had decided to kill himself. You know, I mean, if. If you're thinking of killing yourself, you have no idea the terrible impact that's going to have on your family. Terrible impact because God has graces for you that you have no idea. You may think I don't have the ability to do that now. You're right. You don't because you haven't been called to do it yet. But once you have and you decide to walk with God, you will get the grace.
0: Yeah, And the the other thing that struck me about your book, and I wanted to... um... I wanted to make sure that everybody here knew about it. Um, is that you know? Again, I, I've had a, a hundred and one different health issues, and there are certain things that you learn about the healthcare system, and there are certain things that you learn about navigating your relationship with doctors and tests and alternative therapies. And um, each section of the book, you'll see these highlighted lessons, right? and you keep on going and there's, you know, another highlighted lesson and you keep on going and there's another highlighted lesson. If if you see the book, I underlined it over and over again and um, another highlighted lesson. And I thought what a gift this is because if you've never um, you know had someone that is you know been sick and you've never been a caregiver or you yourself have never been sick this is like the fast track to learning a lot of things you know like you're you're learning off of the master who suffered for eight years right and so um I I I, I can't say enough incredible things um uh, about the book
1: and um I Thank you for saying that, Dorothy, because you're talking about the practical part of this. This, I want to make sure that people know this isn't all just, you know, I I, I try to do the the whole gambit. You know, it's why it says practical, emotional, spiritual, because it's all of a piece. And so it really does talk about, you know, how to find a good doctor, how to find a good hospital. Um, There's how to prepare spiritually for, you know, death, how to prepare... Um, practically, and, and I mean really practically, for example, financially. You know, one of the things that we did before my husband died was I got a notebook, and in it, I, I gathered around the house, and, and he was lying in bed, but, you know, he was directing me. Every the papers of every single, you know, thing that we had financially, and what were the passwords to things, and who was the person he was dealing with, and who would I call? when he, if he died and you know, all of that. So it was all in one book. And when he did die, it was a godsend. And in doing that, we found out about one of his pensions that I might not even have gotten if he was like, Oh my gosh, you know, I, I need to call about that. So it, it makes you focus on what it is you need to do before the person, you know, if they do pass away. so, I mean, I I just want people to know that you will see, I mean, very, very practical things in there, you know, even ways to save money when you're traveling and, and ways to have fun when you're going, we went back and forth, back and forth to MD Anderson. I mean, these, these huge rides and after a while, you're so weary, you know, how do you make it, put some fun into it. That's important. Yeah, I know.
0: And, and so I, I did want to make sure that people knew that, you know, there's a, just a treasure chest of You know, there's practical information. There are prayers. There are stories. um, You know, there's just you know so so much. The the other story that really struck me. There were so much that struck me, (laughs) but another story that struck me um, is is your courage because I know that your husband was ill, and then, you know, you got offered a job at EWTN, and you're selling your house, packing up and moving across, I don't know how many states to start a new job while your husband was terminally ill. And I thought this, this, this couple is just unbelievable. Like, like, you know, like sometimes when I'm sick, I'm afraid to go to the mall, which is, (laughs) (laughs) and here you are, like, just packing everything up and, and Stu saying, no, you got to take this job. We got to go. Um, where did you get that courage, you know, to pack everything up, buy a new house, start a new job. Um, and then I think, you know, Stu had a heart incident or a heart attack while you were at work and you got a text and then you got lost trying to find, like, I, I, I just, so you're such an edifying
1: human being. Where did you get the courage to do that? You know, honey, it's, it's, again, all of that, that, that moving kind of thing. I mean, it's, we didn't, before I had my conversion, I used to pray that God would bless my decisions. After my conversion, I, I prayed that I would know what he wanted me to do. And you know, Stewart had cancer, and we we thought he was cured. You know what I mean? We thought we thought I'd been taken care of. But he had three bouts of cancer now, um, and when I got the opportunity to go down to EWTN or at least interview there, and he was all for it. You know, go down there and you know take check it out, new area of the country. And so, when I walked into the chapel before my interview there, which I'm still there. Um, the Holy spirit just rushed on me. Like it was, it was this overwhelming feeling that like I should be there. And, you know, I had the interview, went really well, went back into the chapel. I kept testing it. I would walk in because I really was like Alabama. What? It just never even occurred to me. I would live in Alabama. And, you know, I called my husband up and, and, cause it was a week or so before I would hear back that I got the job. Um, and he said, you know, how'd it go? And I said, yeah, it went well, honey. I said, but I don't know. I mean, Alabama. And he was like, oh, we get to know a new area of the country and, you know, this kind of thing. He was off for it. Well, I get the job and I'm, I, I, he was finishing up the school year. He was teaching at that point. He had left his job in corporate America and become a teacher after the Medjugorje experience. That was a whole different thing. And, um, he said he was going to finish out the year and I would start this job. My second day on the job, um, he called and I said, you hey, honey, how's it going? And he said, I have leukemia. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I must have misunderstood. The Lord must not want me here. I'll be right home. You know, I'm going to leave. He said, no, you're our future. He said, you do whatever you need to do to secure the job. That was so hard for me because I was, we'd always been together. And for that, you know, several months, I was back and forth, back and forth. I'm trying to make a good impression in my new job. I mean, you know, and every weekend I would get on the plane, fly up there, you know, spend time with him in the hospital. And was it hard? It was. But um, it was it was God's will for us at that moment. And I will tell you, you know, you say, well, you know, that was very hard. Why would you do that? Well, guess what? Our house down here ended up costing $100,000 less than the house up in Pennsylvania. The health insurance plan was a million times better. It's so much easier to get back and forth to the hospital. There wasn't the traffic and all of that. Um, the people at EWTN, they all pray for you. They, 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 it's, it's a prayerful place. All of that, it was a difficult road south, but it was a blessed road. And it was where God wanted us. So that's how we did it, honey. It wasn't, you know, oh, I just courageously decided to do this. No. It was walking in the will of God that gave us the ability to do it. I I um,
0: I, I tell you I'm I'm I, I feel like I could sit at the feet of Michelle to learn um, from you. I'm actually planning to sign up for the workshop that you and Susan breakman have uh, for for Admet, and i'm really looking forward to that um now i i do have to say um just something about your husband um because like you mentioned that you know he was a you know he was a big man you mentioned that um you know he had an incredible sense of humor and i i i, I just i fell in love with your husband i thought what a holy soul and you know just for those of you that haven't read the book and if you haven't i'm encouraging you again to get it walking the way of the cross for caregivers how to cope practically emotionally spiritually by michelle uh, lakey uh, johnson at one point in the book he said he was going in to get his um, leg amputated and he was saying to michelle Oh, I'm gonna do a YouTube video a before and after, one with my leg and then one without. Like I was just like, what a sense. like that's supernatural humor, you know, It's supernatural humor. Um, it, it, like like what a gift you were to him and what a gift he was to you. and what a love story you know like what a beautiful 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 love story like uh, a lot of people don't have that kind of love story you know like um cuz I, I would imagine it would be a lot harder to minister to someone that was very depressed or someone that was very negative or someone that was very you know downcast so um i, I just i'm i'm going to be you know praying for the repose of his soul that the and and when i'm sick i'm going to be you know praying that that i i i get a glint like i'll be praying for Stu to intercede that i have the same kind of um you know that the same kind of spirit what a beautiful spirit you know what a beautiful spirit now the other day too i'm going to be straight up honest with you here michelle um I've been struggling and I don't want to burden people why I've been struggling, but I was struggling. And I uh, sometimes just struggle. Like I was struggling a little bit too with my faith because it's like, oh, my got to go through this. You got to go through that. Got to go through this. Got to go through that. And then I, I read your book and I kind of thought, okay, I ain't been through nothing. <laughs> and then I read your book. And the other thing that struck me, because like sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and I kind of, I, I just feel like I've lost the battle before I started the day, because it's been a remarkably tough year. And you talked about the importance of putting on the armor of God. And so one morning when I woke up, and I kind of felt like I was beginning at the bottom, (laughs) like I thought, Michelle said, you've got to, you know, you've got to, you've got to put on the armor of God. Um, Can you tell us about putting on the armor of God? And can you tell us Uh, For those of us maybe that are struggling with either our faith or with caring for someone else, like sometimes caregiving a two-year-old or a 16-year-old or a 22-year-old that has left the faith is is emotionally, you know, difficult. What are some of the things that you have did and continue to do um, just to handle everything with so much grace would love to hear from you
1: you know and what does it mean to put on the spirit the armor of god well you know it's very important to start your day with prayer now sometimes you know that can be difficult if an emergency happens like you know immediately but like that divine physician help me it doesn't need to be you know a huge amount of time. You need to ask God to be with you. And he's always with you to let you know that he is, you know what I mean? To to, to put yourself with him and to know you're going to walk the day with him. Um, one of the things that I did that helped me um, was journal. And I was taught to do it a different way than most people, I think. Um, I didn't think I was praying that well. And so I'm a writer, you know what I mean? So I sat down and I, I started to write my feelings down about what was happening, whatever happened that day. And then I was told to just say a little prayer and then write down what I think God would be telling me. I'm gonna tell you some of the things that I started writing were just amazing, you know? And I, I, I really feel like the Holy Spirit was guiding me. I mean, it was like, it was so kind and so gentle. And so, you know, just really good to hear. And it, and it, and it bolstered me, you know, many a time when I would get myself into a, you know, a funk over something and, and I would get scared about something or, you know, whatever it was. Um, it's really important to have that touchstone because my sister, God rest her soul. She died a few years ago, younger than me even. Um, but she would actually get up. There's a passage in the Bible that t- talks about, you know, putting on the helmet, uh, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of tr- truth and, you know, shoes of peace. She would actually do that every morning, physically. She would, she would mime doing it. And, you know, she was one of the holiest people I ever met. Um, you know, there's making sure that you have the sacraments because it's I can't tell you how important that is. Um, communion, especially for you, um, for your loved one, if they are getting near the end, the apostolic blessing or apostolic pardon, as they call it, which not only forgives sin, but the temporal punishment due to sin. Very, very important to get done. In addition to the last rites, most every priest can do that. But in my experience, none of them do unless you ask. Um, but that's it. I mean, it isn't a Real complicated, you know. People think it's this huge formula. The formula really is Our Lady when she she appears in Medjugorje. She says to them, "Say the Rosary." You know, my my husband's favorite prayer was the uh, Divine Mercy Chaplet. And I will tell you something. It was his favorite prayer. I'm a secular Carmelite. My husband died July 16th, which is the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, and he died at 3 p.m., which was my the hour Divine Mercy. I mean, you know, it shows that heaven rewards you for these little things that you think, big deal, I'm saying the rosary, big deal, I'm saying the divine mercy chaplet, it's a big deal to God. (laughs) And, you know, we can turn, I I, I mentioned in the book, I had to make all kinds of decisions so quickly when my husband's leg was amputated because we didn't really realize we were gonna have to have the house be ADA compliant before he could come home. He wouldn't be able to do anything. And I had to make decisions about all kinds of things. And I remember I wrote in the book, does God care about what color we paint the bathroom? He does if you ask him. And so that's the thing. I mean, just ask, it's not complicated, but but you got to do it, you know, and, and you've got to, the more you do it and the more you see things work out, the more your trust increases and the more you start to see, you know, I didn't ask about that. I, I I recently heard a story that was amazing. Um, and someone told me this, where a man was so mad at God because he had gotten the surgery, he was going blind and it was a uh, experimental surgery and he went for it and it, he was had the blinders on, you know, with the wrap bandages for quite a while. They took them off and he was completely blind before he could at least see shadows. And he was so bitter and he was so angry and he was railing at God. And then he heard God say, "Did you ask me if you should have that surgery?" And he said, "No, I didn't." And I mean, it's that little turn to Him, just just ask, and then trust, and then trust that whatever happens, He's going to be with you in it. What this taught me this whole eight years was that you know now I'm alone, and it was scary. But I, I'm never alone because I always have him with me. And as long as I remember to say, help me, you know, what do I do? I don't know where to, go. I don't know how to do this. I can't tell you the number of things. It'll be in the next book that I turn to him. I, I not good with money, terrible at money. And, you know, he helped me find the people that I needed. Ask and you shall receive. Yeah. Um, I, I do have to ask you,
0: I know I've like I've taken, I'm sorry, I've taken so much of your time, but I was, I was just so much looking forward to meeting you. I wish I could just, you know, give you a hug. <laughs> went to adoration this morning praying for um our time together today. Um, you know, you've had a number of different losses. You know, your dad died suddenly early on. and then a few years after your husband passed away, You lost your sister, and most recently, your mom's passed away. Um, How did what you went through with your husband help you with these other losses? And I think, you know, some of the moms, you know, some of the ladies, you know, were at different stages, and I think last week or the week before I went to two viewings, two funerals and my husband was saying like, oh, Dorothy, that's going to happen more often now. So don't act so surprised. We're entering into this kind of next stage of, uh, of life. And um, how did that, that that experience with your husband help you with some of these other losses? And how do, how do you kind of view this next stage of life where like, these losses seem to be imminent and more of them like on the horizon, right? Um,
1: well, you know, it, it does, you do learn that uh, there's that saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I mean, you do get stronger. Um, you, you learn a lot about what to do. I mean, this book was helpful even to me writing it all down because um, at one point we had to uh, do some things with my mom. And we didn't know, you know, who, what a good, uh, hospice or you know, caregiving type thing where to go. And I remembered the best advice I ever got was from my hairdresser. And I said to, um, you know, my sister and my my brother-in-law who lived with my mom. Um, you know, ask her hairdresser for <laughs> a recommendation. <And> she, <laughs> she had the perfect one. And it was somebody that my mom actually, my mom had dementia. So she, but it was somebody that my mom had actually known and loved. And we didn't even know that. And, you know, so many things, when people ask me things, I can flash back, like, um in my Carmelite group, somebody said, Oh, my gosh, you know, so and so has to go into a nursing home, because she needs rehab, and I started, you know, does anybody know a good one? And I, I started to answer. And then I went, wait, that's wrong. She doesn't need a nursing home. She needs to go to a rehabilitation hospital because that's where she's going to get. It. And so, you know, it's you, you learn, you know, th- things that you can tell people. My mom really hated having strangers in the house. And somebody just recently said to me, um, you know, I don't know what to do. We can't take a vacation. My, my, my mom just won't, you know, let anybody come in and, and we're exhausted. And, you know, I, I gave them two pieces of advice. One was my mom at one point thought that one of the caregivers, we we had hired somebody to come in at night because she'd be up all night, weren't getting any sleep. She thought it was a nun. She couldn't have been sweeter. She was terrible to everybody else, but to the nun, she was great. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, you know, this lady was from Croatia. If she likes Croatian people, then you know what I mean? Bringing that kind of person in. And then the other thing was, is her, her mom needed to feel useful. My mom, that was the hardest thing for her, that she felt useless. You know what I mean? She couldn't do the things that she used to do. And, you know, we came up with the idea, get somebody, tell your mom that this woman needs to learn English. And she needs to make some money. She's coming into the country. You can help her, you know. So, (laughs) that feeling of being useful, all that stuff. You learn, you know what I mean, just by going through it. Mm -hmm. So, you had another part of the question. Now I forget the second part. It was yeah. the, the 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 second part was
0: how did everything that you went through with Stu? How did it help you process these other losses? like, probably, I mean,
1: yeah. and, and that's, I, I'm a lot more at peace, because I've thought through, um, I, I gave my sister who was really struggling with my mom's death, a copy of Anthony DiStefano's A Travel Guide to Heaven, mm-hmm. and it is a really beautiful book, it's a fun look at what our loved ones are going to be doing up there, and uh-huh. I, find, I give that book to people, and it really helps them. You know what I mean? Because it makes them really think about the the joy that your loved one is now experiencing. If they had dementia, well, now they can, you know, they can think again. If they were blind, now they can see. If they couldn't walk, now they can. I mean, how wonderful. And yes, we're left behind. But our time here, it's not that long in, in light of eternity. Mm-hmm. And so the Lord, if you're still here, the Lord has a reason for that. And that's what you have to hang on to. Who is it that you can help? Who is it that you can reach out to? Usually when we help others, we, we end up helping ourselves Mm -hmm. because it gives our lives purpose. That's so, so beautiful. Um, so, uh,
0: so just to kind of wrap up for the, uh, people that are caregiving some suggestions, um, is to definitely be, um, you know, to say your morning prayers is, you know, very, very important. Another thing that would be important is to, you know, do some journaling. Um, the other thing too, that, uh, you know, it, it, that something that's helped me is I know that there are people that when I'm in their company, it refreshes my spirit. Right. And so, yes. To, uh, yeah, yes. because
1: yeah. yes. Yes. You know what? There's a chapter in the book about hope. And one of the things I used to think, everybody knows what faith is. You kind of know what love is, but hope, what is that? I used to think everybody had that. It's not true. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. at one point I started to lose my hope. And I remember I called up a friend who had said to me, you know, call me anytime. I, I, she had gone through it mm-hmm. and I don't uh, not want to call people up, you know, just like you. I don't want to burden them, mm-hmm. but I was feeling so badly that I picked up the phone when I thought I was together and I called her and as soon as she answered i burst into tears and i was horrified i was like oh no but in sharing that with somebody who understands not just anybody because people can be cruel if they yeah. I, I don't want platitudes you know what i mean she understood and just in sharing that and talking to her i felt my hope being restored when when i heard my husband's leg was going to be amputated i was uh, so scared and mm-hmm. you know i was I had to be strong in the hospital when I heard that. You know, I wanted to my husband to know, it's okay, it's okay. But when I left, I was freaking out. And I called my mom and I, in telling her, I said, mom, I'm so scared. And she said, honey, what are you afraid of? And I said, I don't understand how he's going to be able to sit. You know, he was having his leg amputated up to the hip. In, in saying that, it sounds dumb now, but I felt the fear drain out of me. It, it does sharing it with somebody who understands and who doesn't judge you. That mm-hmm. is so key. So key. Isn't it? And, you know, and uh,
0: I, I don't know, it seems too like we're living more and more now in a world where, you know, so many people are, you know, leaving the faith. And I think that some, you know, some moms even struggle that their own children have left the faith and other moms are struggling that their husbands have left the faith. And, uh, I remember um, I had hit a crisis a, a couple of you know a, a couple of months ago, and I was just one of those places. And a, a dear friend of mine called me like out of the blue. Her name is you know Nora, mother of eight, you know plays the guitar and is a charismatic whatever. Hadn't seen her in a long time, and we just sat in my car, uh, you know went to Tim Hortons through a drive through, and I just released everything that was in me because i know she's just like a good holy soul and uh i'm blessed with a husband who believes in the faith and i can talk to him about every anything and everything and i've got two great kids but like it was just something about talking with a friend and something about just releasing it all you know i i kind of felt like i had some type of healing that day you know Um, And so and and this is why, honestly, this is why we have Catholic moms groups, because if we have a community of Catholic mothers that we can kind of, um, you know, not hide our Christian faith, not hide our doubts, not hide and, and to be prayed for and to pray with. Um, like that's a—it's been such a gift to me, you know—is—is is belonging to a Catholic moms group and belonging to some type of faith community. Anyway, I talk too much. <laughs> I always say I'm going to talk less, and then I talk more. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, what a what a privilege and honor um, to to meet you. Um, I again, I, I said it. Once, twice, I fell in. Uh, I was edified by you. I thought, you know, <laughs> I, I had to do some tedious task that I didn't want to do. And I was kind of resenting, um, you know, I was resenting whoever I was resenting that I had to do this. Right. And then after I read your book, I'm like, it's a privilege to do this. Are you kidding <laughs> me? <laughs> and I'm like, this is like one billionth of what Michelle did. So you really, you just inspired me so much. I can't tell you how much you inspired me. And, um, and you know, you, you gave me the kind of, I don't know what the word is, but the grace to strive to like for holiness, right? Because like sometimes we think, "Oh, I'm holy enough. I'm mad at you, boof," right? (laughs) But it's like, no, no, no. You got to dig deeper, Dorothy. Um, Again, honestly, that's what I have loved about our Ministry Catholic Moms group is I have met so many incredible women like yourself that I would have never met being you know stuck in I was gonna say corporate America but it was corporate Canada (laughs) Um, (laughs) so it's just been such a grace thank you for your yes Um, thank you for you know taking the time to write the book Um, thank you for all of the hard work that you did with your husband like you know, thank you for everything that you did. It's gonna be a light to so many uh women. It's gonna be a light and hopefully to men too. But um just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for writing it because this is gonna this is gonna shorten the learning curve. And and I really hope that this becomes a part of every single caregiving workshop. And I'm, I'm hoping that you'll host some caregiving workshops too. <laughs> but uh, maybe
1: that could be one of your courses with Susan, right? Um, well, I do have, I, I will be doing some things with Susan. I do have a website, caregiversofthecross.com. Oh, okay, good, good, good. And and you can do, and I have a Facebook group, Caregivers of the Cross, okay? Okay. Um, and, and you can buy the book um, from Amazon or EWTN religious catalog. So okay.
0: So what what's the name of the Facebook group? Because I think some people here might want to join it. Caregivers of the Cross. Caregivers of the Cross. Okay. And um, okay. So just some comments here, Michelle. Thank you for your sharing, and inspiration and encouragement. Thank you, Dorothy. God bless you, Bertha. So thank you, thank you, Allison. Thank you, Judith. Um, uh, Helen uh, Helen McGee is also she's i I don't know whether she works with the archdiocese but she's pointing out she's given us a link here archdiocese of toronto horizons of hope um, an e-toolkit for parishes on palliative care Um, helen i'm not sure whether you're with the archdiocese of toronto but if you are please add that book to add this book to that toolkit Um, And if, you know, if a bunch of people send me different resources, I can sort of uh, create an email and send it out to our email distribution with all these uh, resources. Let me just see at the end there. Okay, so, um, yeah, so anyway, I always like to end with a song and it goes something like this. I'm so glad we had this time together just to have a laugh and sing a song Seems we just get started, and before you know it comes a time we have to say so long. Thank you, you. thank you, Michelle. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. If you enjoyed it today, remember to invite people to come for our next one, and remember to tell people about our YouTube channel because we will be uploading this to our youtube channel so anyone can watch it at any time and uh don't forget to get the book it's a great gift if you need care give this to the people that are caring for you so you show them the gold cadillac of caregiving and if you're doing the caregiving and you need to be refreshed and inspired uh, wonderful, wonderful book. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Michelle. And I hope our paths cross again, Michelle. I, um, I love you. I love your husband. And uh, you are get to touch many, many lives with this incredible book. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you. God bless.
0: God bless. Bye-bye.